to the AFA podcast, the official podcast for AnimationForAdults.com, and welcome to episode 37. My name is Rachel, and I am joined by the my usual cohorts, Chris. Hey, Chris! Hey, how's it going? It's been going pretty good. How are things going with you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> good to hear. And Dan! Hello, Dan! Hi, Rachel. How have you been this week? I've been good, thanks. How have you been? Ah, okay, it's a damp... Outside, but other than that, okay. All right, we're going to go ahead and talk about some of the big news stories that have happened in the animation world this week. And one of the biggest ones that happened just like there was earlier this week was the deal between DreamWorks Animation Studios and Comcast. And the fact that uh, Comcast buys bought DreamWorks Animation for at least I think it was the the sum was about. $3.8 $3.8 billion? Yeah, that's it. That is a lot of money. That's a lot of moolah. Certainly, and um, it looks like they're going to be merging DreamWorks Animation with uh, Universal Studios, and they're going to be, to, in order to help uh, improve their film, and uh, particularly their animation uh, section. And uh, it's it's interesting, like, listening to, or at least looking at the... Uh, the discussion between both DreamWorks and Universal, and it looks like it's going to be, uh, they're both very optimistic about this uh, new partnership, as it were. Yeah, I'm not not sure how I feel at the moment. <laughs> um, it's not exactly a partnership, is it? It's more like I guess they've not. been it's, swallowed it's, up. Partnership right? is the wrong it word, it, I guess. No, I mean, yeah, because Jeffrey you're Katzenberg is now gone, and... Oh, um, no. Yeah, Someone who's involved with Illumination. Well, this is this is, is the thing. now. Um... Yeah, um, C- Comcast are the parent group of or un- own Universal, the stu- mm-hmm. the film group, etc., and they own or part own Illumination, who have had, who obviously put out um, Despicable Me in Minions. Yes. As in, like, uh, is it number two in the? box office global animation feature now I think possibly just behind Frozen um, Minions that is last year so um, but the thing is that Illumination are known for being able to do um, they do things very very different to DreamWorks DreamWorks is high end um, incredibly large budget like 100 million dollar a shot before you it's even released type thing Um all big names and huge, huge deal, and Illumination do things very different. They do like yeah. sixty million dollar budget or something, and um, they put things out and make profit almost immediately. Type, <laughs> and um, I, you know, it's done mostly animations done in France and things like that. So, it, how DreamWorks model is going to fit in with that is anyone's guess, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it may, because I, I believe the deal is going to finally go through by the end of two, uh, 2016. So, I don't know if by then we'll start seeing, like, if, if, you know, how those two very different ways of going about making a film, or if they're going to clash, or if they're going to find a way to make it work, or all of the above. I don't know. It's 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 a very kind of wait-and-see kind of thing, I guess. Yeah, because Jill's got friends who work at DreamWorks, and right, yeah, she's told yeah. me. Yeah, they're not. They're apparently they're all feeling a bit 
and unsettled at the moment, as you might imagine. Oh, no. it's, it's, it's my impression that it's kind of that that atmosphere has been around DreamWorks for a little while now. Um, after they, you know, they've them their last few movies have not done so well as expected. Um, like which ones? Is for for example, like have they stated so specific think, movies? I mean, I seem to remember that House Trainer Dragon Two was not quite the home run they expected. What? It, it was. It was one of their most successful. One of their more successful ones, but I think it it didn't do it's, quite hmm. as much as they wanted. And mm-hmm. Kung Fu Panda Three also, even you know, even though that became a big hit in China, that apparently was also came in un- under expectations as well. That's I mean, really crazy- sad. Sad, and the both crazy, of those films were amazing. The crazy, like, really sad thing. Well, you know, um, Kung Fu Panda Three was meant to be a much bigger hit than I think it was because, especially in China, they opened a studio in China with the move to transferring. Like, as this is this is just like hearsay, probably, but as I as but it's as I understand it that they were going to then, from that point, were going to be producing Kung Fu Panda movies in China. Oh. Mm. Um, yeah, kind of uh, like having a, a quite a major studio presence in China um, in terms of like artists and production. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I've heard that DreamWorks have been having problems with money for a while, so... This kind of makes some sense. Um, They've been trying to find a buyer for a long time, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, And there there have been several things that have fallen through, like at the last minute. They were going to Hasbro at one point. (laughs) Oh, right. That would have been awful. I mean, the the thing to remember, I think, about these these giant, um, like, media acquisitions is that it doesn't necessarily mean... Like it was like when Star Wars was bought by Disney, yeah. You know, people were like, "Oh no, it's going to be a fucking Disney movie." That's <laughs> not true. In Lucasfilm is still Lucasfilm. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of now like you know it, it's got the budgets it needs to be Lucasfilm the way everyone kind of wants it to be Lucasfilm. Nothing yeah. to do with George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kathleen Kennedy's running the place, and she's you know, pretty integral to all those. Anyway, so um, the way I'm looking at it is I'm not now expecting, like, DreamWorks movies to necessarily be, like, Illumination films or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be... I don't know what it's going to be, but it's it's tricky. I think that DreamWorks have had a strange model um, for a while. And yeah. I spoke about this before, the whole B movie, A movie thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I I do think that people can like basic you know, basic um like moviegoers are are wise to that stuff. And they can tell like when a movie like Home is not gonna be How to Strange Dragon Two or Kung Fu Panda. Um you know, they have these smaller movies and I don't really understand quite what the like plan is there with those sorts of like releases. They're, like, they're what quite... separates planning for like say a movie like Kung Fu Panda, like one of the Kung Fu Panda two versus Home? 
Like what separates well, those two? I mean, I'd say probably it comes down to budget and time, right? So, but that and that's fine. It's fine to produce smaller movies. The strange thing about it though is when you, as a consumer, like as a movie goer, a consumer, it kind of looks like inconsistent output from a studio. Yeah. You know, I get um, what you're saying. I'm trying to think of like an example. It's it's like. Uh, I can't. I can't think of one right now because the main example I would use is probably something like the drop off from Kung Fu Panda to Home. It's mm-hmm. like. It, they, well, what about like, like say if some of the uh, DreamWorks' earlier films too? Like we had, um, like Shrek was one of the big, um, bigger hits that they, that the studio had, and then you had the movie like same come out like Shark Tale. That was also technically DreamWorks, so it's just like, huh? These are very like you have your, your one big hit, and then you have your other. You know, that looks like a bit of a smaller movie, and it's like well, the, the difference in quality small, between it, those two. It, I don't think it was a smaller movie. I mean, it just looks gross. Yeah, it's <laughs> bad. <laughs> I think that's the problem. I mean, because don't forget, DreamWorks Animation, they, you know, they, they're all the ones who spent five, six years almost on, like, Prince of Egypt. Yeah. Um, and I, I just know, like, if the, com- if the Comcast... Um, like acquisition can mean that they can focus on those real quality things and not have to worry so much about the pop boiler movies, uh, then that's a good thing, maybe? I don't know. It's it's not really clear what it means. And I mean, is it clear what this means for the animation uh, for the T V animation division? Well, well, the thing is that obviously Comcast have a cable business. So Yeah. They are yeah. in. They are in conflict with Netflix. <laughs> so they're, so they're, they're in the that's what I was going to ask about. It's like there, there there's going to be a conflict of interest because I know that that whole thing with the the deal with Netflix just happened a little while back. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it and how it was, you know, looking really positive. But now that this has gone through, that mm. yeah, like you said, Comcast is the the cable or the television section of Comcast. That's going to be uh, a little difficult to sort. So, well, Rachel, like, do, do Comcast in the US do they have like a similar kind of um, like Hulu? Are they in Hulu like kind of streaming video service? Other than um, the Comcast recording box, where I know you can either record programs and have like okay. um, on demand is their big uh, you know you know, pick your program, watch it. Right? Do they know, have whatever. Do they have online on demand? Stuff. See, that is what I've never. I don't think so. From what my experience with Comcast, I have not seen any online streaming at all. Wow, really? So the cable, the cable companies, from what I understand, are really, really sort of dragging their feet, like going, "No, they no, are. the digital thing is not happening. People don't watch TV online. It doesn't happen." Like Time mm. Warner, uh, want, want, wanted to buy a controlling stake in Hulu, and the reason they wanted to do it was to take current season broadcast off there so that people couldn't use it to, for catch up so that they'd have to go to cable mm. <laughs> well that's really going to do their ratings a favour isn't it yeah then it's not going <laughs> yeah. I mean, to drive people to piracy or anything yeah and that um... yeah so um, but at the same time I ha- Netflix do have universal stuff on there I just noticed Minions has gone up in the US so Mm-hmm. And the UK, actually. Is it as well? So, uh-huh. yeah. 
pretty sure. So they're not completely like, oh no, we won't put any of our things on, on there. But at the same time, they probably don't want to necessarily give exclusive rights to Netflix if it's a... Well, yeah, that's going to be a con- that's going to be a conflict, as you know, you know, you're going to get so many people watching these these shows on Netflix, and I'm sure Netflix is going to making you know a buck off that somehow, and then through their the as amount of people that they have watching, and of course, you know, since DreamWorks is now going to be owned by Universal, it's like, well, we want a piece on that action too, if especially if they start making a lot with all these new programs that they're going to be have featuring. But, but I. I assume things like Voltron and um, uh, Troll Hunter and things like that, these are being produced as Netflix exclusives, so they'll probably be safe. Yeah, they'll be safe on Netflix, I think. But anything sort of in the future is up in Mm -hmm. the air. Yeah, anything Uh, in the future, maybe anything that definitely looks like DreamWorks-associated programs too, like, you know, anything that's tied to a film of some kind. And the other reason they'll want it is is because uh, Universal got their theme parks as well, so they can yeah. put, they can put Shrek and Universal Studios and Hiccup, uh, Toothless yeah. and stuff, and Kung Fu Panda. So that's the other. How a Train and Dragon ride is worth it? <laughs> yeah, I'd, say, I'd say so. I mean, all joking aside, though, it's gonna be it's gonna be. Um... Yeah, there are going to be layoffs because yeah, of yeah, which is unfortunate. Um, oh, yeah. Because yeah, I mean, DreamWorks employs loads of people in in the US, not just because because they you know they have the TV divisions and they um, they spread to all sorts of satellite studios um, in the US and Canada, and they have you know the DreamWorks animation proper in um in california so it's gonna be i don't know if it's we not have... really clear what's gonna happen to those to those people if we have any listeners who are employees at dreamworks we wish you all the best and hope hope everything works out for you yeah i hope mm. that this transition is as painless for everyone as possible yeah. At least, you know, fingers crossed. At least, I'm. That's that's probably just the optimist in me. But I, I like it. Sometimes it's good to be an optimist. And if not, you can just go and work for Pixar, maybe. <laughs> hey, yeah. Best but... place to work in the world, apparently. <laughs> from, which we have heard personally from yeah. someone who works there. <laughs> Thank you, David Lally. I mean, it could it could give. I'm just thinking. I mean, it could give to control to the people who, who need it, like creatively at DreamWorks. Here's hoping. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I my, my, my understanding of DreamWorks has been, I mean, probably a little biased, but, you know, that it's been a little bit top-heavy in terms of, um, in, in terms of, like, uh, executive and creative control. Yeah. And I... the sorts of things that get greenlit are not, like as I, as I, I remember hearing this story about people um, describing being in like an executive meeting or something at DreamWorks, and someone was saying that they first of all think of like an arena for the movie to think to happen in, um, and they think like oh the sea, and then they think of all the 
other things first and then they get down to like the main characters in the story mm. um and it's like it's kind of tricky i mean like kung fu panda was an idea that came from an executive as well not uh not a director or um or like a creative producer it was it was like an executive who kind of decided that that was going to be the thing hmm. um i mean which is i'm not saying it's a bad thing it's just quite unlike the way we might expect movies to evolve like at disney or yeah, it's uh, the op- opposite of what they do at disney where, kind of yeah, yeah. where everything and, is story based also actually somewhat different to illumination because um especially i'm thinking of garth jennings new movie oh yeah um mm-hmm. it was entirely his pitch that's the Same. first time they've done that though isn't it is it they have a i mean it's the first time an outsider's come in yeah yeah okay yeah that's true yeah because i guess everything they've done has been like pretty much springboarded from despicable me so far yeah up until this and uh, and life of pets this year as Secret well. life of pets yeah interesting yeah it's it's it could go really either way at this point with this particular deal but it's going to be have to it's going to have to be one of those wait and see kind of things and see how if you know which direction universal is going to want to take this you know now that they have dreamworks animation or they're going to have dreamworks animations like how are you going to let you know keep a loose leash and just let them you know continue to do what they've been doing just with more budget or just try and yeah make mm. things work more for them i don't know it's it's i hope i hope they think that they've bought creativity though and not yeah. just like properties like now they're thinking oh we got shrek and how to train your dragon and kung fu panda and madagascar but like i hope they kind of see it as like an active like creative force yeah because mm. that's what that's what dreamworks really is yeah, they've got when you amazing, get down to it. They have got some amazing talent there, so... Yeah, hopefully hopefully, Universal looks at it in the right light. And we can only, like you said, we can only hope that they do so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, but I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll hear about this as, as it develops. Yeah, mm-hmm. as in... And you'll definitely, uh, to our listeners, you'll definitely hear us talking more about it as the as we continue to hear more back from that particular story. Yep. All right. And I noticed we were talking about Netflix a little bit ago, and I thought another story that came up that I wanted to speak that was uh, did involve Netflix and BBC is that there has been an announcement that both BBC and Netflix are going to be producing a four-part animated series based on Richard Adams' uh, Watership Down novel. Oh, which... God. Yeah. Oh God, traumatizing a new series, traumatizing a new generation. Well, here's the funny thing, because I mean, while that, yeah, that movie was the what year did that come out? It was that um nineteen. I can't remember. Seventy eight. Nineteen seventy eight. Now that movie didn't come out in nineteen seventy eight, and that's technically the first bit of animation that was done for based on Watership Down. There was also a um. What was it an animated uh, television series that I remember watching? I think that ah. came out like between the 1990s and the 2000s. I think. Oh really? 
Oh yeah, I when I wrote up the story, I remember it was like 1999 to 2001 or something. Yeah, that was considerably less traumatizing than the <laughs> 1978 movie. But yeah, um I think Chris, you have a at least a somewhat right to be uh a little concerned because but at least with the way they're setting up this series to be at least in terms of tone, it sounds like they're going to be leaning more toward the 1978 film. I, have to say, I, think it's... I haven't even seen it. <laughs> well, no, because I mean, as you mentioned in the story, it's, it's that it's going to be the production is being made by the drama department in BBC. Yes, which is interesting. It's not being made by the children's department. It's the um, the the mainstream drama department at the BBC. Who made well, that's I... very telling, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of tone they're going to try and Incredibly. take? Incredibly, yeah. I mean, they they they're the people who who gave us Doctor Who, and I mean, yeah. like, I don't know if the last few seasons of Doctor Who have been entirely child-friendly. No, no, yeah. I, no, think, I think... I mean, in the best way. I mean, in the best, like, kind of borderline PG, like, you know, oh, the tougher kids can handle this kind That's of... That's what Doctor Who's supposed to be like. Yeah. To... Hide, hide behind the sofa level thing. That's what it's... That's the tradition. <laughs> oh, I agree with you, Chris. It's just like it's it's not so easy to convince um, people that those sorts of things are the right way to do it. Well, here's I'm gonna I'm gonna say something from my own personal experience, and at least watching Watership Down because that was I remember I read the book first, and then I uh, then I did see the movie, and I I will agree that it was a very different experience than I was expecting, considering it was a movie about talking rabbits. And I'd seen, you know, Disney had kind of, at least with, you know, the, say, Bambi had trained me. It's like, oh, no, we can have a bit nicer looking animal or depictions of animals in the wilderness, you know, outside in the forest and wilderness. But, yeah, the Watership Down movie was very, very, very gritty, very, very dark. But at the same time, like, you know, even though that did, you know, surprise me as a kid, and it did, in you know, quite a few moments, uh, moments did scare me quite a bit. Like especially the one scene where they're, where the one rabbit's recounting how the whole a whole warren was buried alive, but still, I don't think I wouldn't say I was traumatized by the entire experience. I was scared, but I I recognized I think it was just my childhood mentality thoughts like oh no this is stuff that happens in the real world. This is how you know it is kill and to an extent it is kill or be killed and so. Being able to seeing a film that wasn't able wasn't you know afraid to shy away from that made me appreciate it all the more. There was there was a an, a BBC cartoon or I think it was probably co-production with the BBC and other European companies or whatever that was on I remember when I was growing up called The Animals of Farthing Woods. I was going to bring that up. I watched. <laughs> I remember watching that when I was growing up in London. Yeah, that was. That was like, oh, here are these cute animals. Oh, who's going to die this week? The first thing that the first thing that comes up when you Google search "animals of Farthing Wood" in suggestions is "animals of Farthing Wood deaths." <laughs> yes, I know because it happens so often. They did, it was they... it was like a children's program, an animal talking animal program written by George R. 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 Martin. 
just because it's just it's really like almost every episode, at least in a lot of the earlier ones, like another character in this little caravan of animals would just get killed off. Again, oh, horrible. Again. <laughs> Each you one know, more I'm traumatizing kind of think... than the last. I'm kind of thinking, like, in also with Doctor Who, there's. If you set the precedent that there's a tradition for something, then people immediately have less of a problem with it. Mm-hmm. So, like, with Doctor Who, if you do a scary Doctor Who episode, you can just shrug and go, eh, it's Doctor Who. It's, you know, you that for 50 years. <laughs> exactly. And the same thing with, like, you know, the BBC and, like, animal stuff is you just go, well, you know, it's a bit David Attenborough. It's a bit, um, you know, <laughs> like, we're used to showing, you know, animals being killed and, you know, the savagery of nature. And, and it's it's what we do. And the same with, and kind of the same thing with Watership Down, where it's like, everyone kind of knows what you're in for when... Now that there's a remake, you're like, oh, well, okay, it's going to be a bit tough in a few moments, but it's kind of like the tradition is allowing them to do that, which is, yeah, and I, which is cool. I, I like, I, I appreciate that. I'm actually looking forward to seeing this come out. I believe the um, it's supposed to be finished in around 2017, I think. Mm-hmm. And also cool. another aspect about that that I thought was interesting was the fact that they're going for a CG production instead of two, you know, two-dimensional oh, animation. It? Yeah. It's being done by that. Brown ba- Brown Bag Films uh, doing the animation or um, doing Are they the, the animation. They did Peter Rabbit. Exactly. Did they really? Yes. Right, okay. I they know so. how to do rabbits. Yeah, yes. so good, at least gonna, they've now, got that they're gonna kill pedigree. Some. <laughs> um yeah but what a cast what a cast i know i was looking at it and i just as i was reading my jaw kind of hit the floor we've got james mcavoy john boyega from uh star wars the force awakens joining in um olivia coleman and then i saw ben sir ben kingsley's name and i'm like okay i'm i'm on board i'm done <laughs> you have me you, you didn't have me already you have me now <laughs> Yeah, but yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you know who which of these cast members were cast as which characters in the story. Mm-hmm. Is that that'll be that'll be fun? <laughs> it seems like there are lots of like yeah, Daily Mail articles of don't water down, watership down, watership down without the claws. Like people <laughs> are kind of <laughs> quite 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 fierce about defending traumatizing kids so well like i said i wouldn't say it's no i know no it's not no it's not no i well it's kind of what we were talking or what we might be talking about later in the episode um using my clairvoyant powers um (laughs) uh in terms of like what's how much are you going to allow tv to be or like or um, visual media to be like a safe simulation of something. Like it can't hurt you. It's not real. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I'm kind of thinking like about that scene in Splash when she's crying because someone's died on TV, <laughs> and oh, Tom right. and Tom Hanks is like, no, 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 no. They're actors. They're fine. <laughs> no one died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, you have to. There has to be a line, like, you know, 
there is that line where you say, oh, well, this is only, it's just a movie. You know, I mean, it's okay to be, like, scared, but, it's, you know, mm-hmm. you have to make sure, that, especially if you have kids watching, it's like, no, it's, it's, it's nothing, nothing that you're seeing right now is going to jump out and try to attack you. Yeah. No, it, 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 like, that, it's, it all sounds quite promising. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing this, especially if they are taking it from the direction which I think that they are. I think it's going to be quite an event because it's a four-part thing. So, I I can see it going like it'll be on like either at Christmas or over a yeah. holiday. I I think yeah. like I think it'll be over Christmas. Mm. I imagine that. So, that will be be interesting to see. Definitely, I'm keep an eye out for. More information as that uh, that also develops, because uh, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking for that if they release new information. Moving along, I believe Annecy has revealed that for their um, 2016 presentation or animation festival, because they they basically just announced their lineup of films for the festival, both in competition and out. Is correct? Yeah. Yeah. They already did the shorts and TV things, and they've just released the um, features in in competition and out of competition. And yes. Yeah, it's a very interesting selection of uh, films. I mean, the, the shorts are still listed, I think, mm-hmm. but they've also got a lot of uh, big-budget films. Like, I see um, Secret Life of Pets is in there, the Ice Age film, The Red Turtle, which mm. we also have other articles oh, featuring no. new footage for that, and um, Finding Dory, Nerdland, and just uh, Moana was looked like it was also going to get a feature there. Yeah, what they tend to do at Annecy is... Um... They'll have like these kind of, um, they're almost like pre-production presentations. I went to mm-hmm. one for, uh, oh my goodness, what would the Disney movie have been? I went to one for, I went to one for Hotel Transylvania. Mm-hmm. I think whatever year that was, I think was the same year Bracket Ralph was about to come out. Okay. Oh my goodness, I can't remember. But basically, <laughs> what they do is like the movie is coming out like in the the next um, like that November, and they're yeah. still working on it. And they're didn't, kind of pres- sorry, Chris. Didn't they do? They had the good dinosaur there last year, I think. Didn't they? Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, and um, they also had uh, Zootopia there. Mm-hmm. But what they do is they kind of show some storyboards, they show a couple of animation tests, they kind of show more than you would see in marketing or otherwise. Like, they show you a trailer and then they show you some animation tests, they tell you a little bit more about the story and the development in terms of, like, giving, like, an overview of the production. Mm-hmm. Um, have really great presentations, usually, because they usually... Um, presented by like the producers and the directors working on the movies and they'll have like you know q and a's afterwards and uh 
Oh yeah, Annecy is just great. It's um, it's such a fun festival. It really, I really wish I could go see it for myself because I've never, I've never been to a film festival. Period. So it's just when I'm looking at all this with all the not just the films that they're going to be featuring, you know, just to you know show how, like you said, how the production goes, but also the films that look like they're in the in competition. Even in the films out of the competition, look really fascinating. Like um, I'm looking at the some of the different ones, and they're all from different countries, like Spain, Japan, the Philippines, China. Yeah, it's so great because you go, and because it's like a program that's been um, curated, like for you, you don't. It, it's not like um, how you usually watch stuff. It's not like going on the internet and looking at what might interest you. It's like, here's what we've got. And you end up seeing things which you wouldn't usually see at all. And, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the things that you see at Annecy don't get wide releases. Mm-hmm. Like, there are, there, are lo- there are movies that I saw at Annecy which have not had anything like... I don't think they've even had official English subs. Oh, and, man. Oh, wow. The reason why. I mean, there are so many, like, French and, you know, um, European... And uh, movies, which you just don't get to see, um, and Annecy is like a great place to really give them like a platform. Cool. That's really cool. Um, but it, yeah, but you also get to see like huge, great. I think I saw um, the Lorax there, like before mm-hmm. the release. And, oh, it's such a fun festival. Yeah. So. Keep an eye on that, and if um, I believe when is uh, Annecy kicking off? I think it was From like um, early June, thirteenth to the eighteenth. Yeah, thirteenth to the eighteenth, two thousand sixteen. And um, do you want more information? There is a link to the official site in the article that Chris put up, featuring all the lists of uh, the films, both in competition and out. So if you're curious and want to look into that, check out our article and uh, take a look for yourself. And our last piece of news, it's just, an up, and again, it's an update from a topic that we've covered many times on this podcast, is that they've uh, released more uh, posters for Kubo, The Two Strings, and also a new trailer. Have either of you seen said trailer? I've I purpos- have. Oh, I've purposefully avoided it. Oh, okay. For a movie that's coming out in, like, August, September... They've had so many trailers, and I'm already in. I don't need to see anymore. It's like, you don't need I'm... to convince me anymore, Kubo. He's like, I'm already... Like, I'm as soon tempted. as you come out, I'm going. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm tempted, but I just know that I'll kind of enjoy it more if I don't see it. Because the third oh. trailer is usually when they basically set up the first act. That's what it seems I... like from this uh, from this particular trailer that was definitely a more of a first act kind of setup uh, piece. Of what we're in for, and I, go ahead, Chris. I've said before that I've decided that I shouldn't. Co- we shouldn't cover too many trailers the same film on the site because they mm-hmm. they just keep releasing trailer after trailer and they show more and more. And you know you can you can just cover a couple of them and, and that does it. But Kubo and the Two Strings, I can't <laughs> help it. I, just, I I can't. No, we're gonna have... make an exception for this one. If if it's there, I have to see it. I'm sorry, I couldn't I couldn't resist it. Like, oh, there's a new trailer. Perhaps I shouldn't watch it. Uh, oh yeah, right. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> there we go. 
and yeah, yeah. I each time I see one, I think there's no way I could be more excited to see this. And you know, then like, it proves you wrong. Yeah, I'm more excited than I was. <laughs> like, I will when... notice one thing that I I did notice that I didn't really notice in some of the trailers previous to this. Just really quick. Um, more notably, like there's Kubo is very visibly wearing an eye patch over one eye. Ah. In this in this film, and I'm like, I keep looking through the different images, like, okay, he has it there, he has it there. It's like, okay, where did that come from? Kind of like, how did that? Is like, does he is does he wear it because it's cool, or does he actually need that for some reason? So that's that's added a new layer to the film. It's like, ooh, a mystery that I'll have to watch the movie to find out. Like, what is what is what is this about? But. That's just something I was able to take away from watching this particular trailer that I hadn't really noticed in the previous one. So, hey. Cool. Something else that... Oh, and the, tra- the posters are really cool as well. No, they very, they very much are. There's a whole bunch. So, so even if you don't want to see the trailer, you should click on the posters to see the posters because they're amazing. Um, one thing I, I saw pointed out on Twitter a few weeks ago was um, somebody pointed... A Leica fan pointed out the fact that, you know, someone had said, why aren't there Asian people, you know, Japanese people in this this film? And they pointed to a link to the IMDb thing that showed there was actually, they have cast a bunch of actors of Asian extraction in the film. Just (laughs) none of them in, just apart from George Takai, no one in the main roles, which is... (laughs) It's a little strange. Kind doesn't of the really, point. <laughs> doesn't really help your your argument that really does it. <laughs> no, it 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 so doesn't, but you know Alright, I'm gonna get into like a little bit of a thing about this and I, I won't spend long at all. Okay. Alright, really, fair enough. I mean it's really good to see so many people like calling people out directly for um like essentially racist through omission um casting. The tricky thing is, is that, like, it's, yeah, it's it's so hard to explain. Like, this, the same thing that happened with um, the Tilda Swinton role in um, the new Doctor Strange movie. Uh. Apparently she was going to be played by a Tibetan. Uh, no, no she, she, her role is, is a, the, the character is Tibetan. Yeah. Uh, but they cast Tilda Swinton instead, and they kind of whitewashed the character. Now, the reason for that was not straight racism or, you know, whitewashing. It was far more complicated. What it was, it was to do with um, the movie having lots and lots of Chinese money involved, and China not really being so pleased about there being uh, a magical Tibetan character in the movie. Hmm. Um, so it was kind of more politicized than that. And the problem the problem with like all of this uh like kind of supposedly like whitewashing casting is that in actual fact I I kind of believe that when these decisions are made, they're not done they're all done in service of money, right? So mm-hmm. it's like if you've got um uh to uh Charlize Theron up front in your movie instead of like a perfectly capable talented Asian American actress it's 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 kind of just in terms of money 
in terms of like box office return and everything. And the same thing applies to Scarlett Johansson. Um, it's gonna be it's it's she's just proven to have a bigger box office pull. Now the problem with that is that you're not really breaking the trend. You're not you're not um, trying to help that. And the problem mm-hmm. is, is that, you know, um, a bias towards um, like essentially white people exists in Hollywood, uh, and just by following money, you're kind of only funding that. Um, I could see with an animated movie, it's it's probably really tricky because. You know, if you look at animated films on in in uh, like if you look at animated films as a whole, a lot of the time you have voice actors like driving the marketing for something. Like, uh, think of um, anything basically, and and the only one I've seen recently that actually tried to do something to break that was um, Big Hero Six. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine that's because Disney kind of have the 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 sure like box office success um, to know that it's a Disney movie. Of course, it's going to do well, and they've done the same thing with Moana, um, with, with the Moana casting by casting um, racially like appropriate actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can think of like the smaller studios bringing movies out. They kind of have to just go like, "Oh, we've got Ben Kingsley. Uh, okay, well, he's not exactly you know um, Idris Elba, <laughs> but it's 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 going to be a pull for marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's so like screwed up that, and and this is kind of where you have to. I'm, well, where I certainly look back and I go, oh, okay, yeah, Hollywood's a business. It's really art and commerce. And when you when you look at like movies like Kubo, you kind of go, well, okay, it's unfortunate, but and it's really truly unfortunate uh, and not at all good for representation. But then you think, well, what's the likelihood that this thing would have gotten made? Like, had it not, you know got these big actors pulling it and the real tragedy is that there's no i mean apart from george takei like what other asian american actors have like a name pull see we can't have an asian american lead because there aren't any famous asian americans but we can keep exactly. shoving we can sh- we can keep sh- we can keep putting sam worthington and um what was his name? Oh, who was the guy who was in um, John uh, John Carter, Tyler, someone? <laughs> they, they'll just pick out this like random white bloke and be like, "Oh, he's going to be the next star. He's not famous yet, but we're going to put him in the lead role in all these films." Oh my god! Yeah, the Sam Worthington thing is so funny because he's like the least charismatic bit of meat in the world, and yeah, he's. <laughs> Yeah, no, you, you're you're dead right, but it's just like that's kind of when Hollywood's just a ridiculous joke because n- no one is gonna take a risk, especially mm. in the environment where you have so many remakes and reboots and IP movies being made. Unfortunately, it's like, well, you know, I can't really. Uh, I'm not gonna say I can't blame them, but you can kind of understand 
how it's gotten so bad. Yeah, definitely. I have to ask though, why couldn't Kubo himself be played played by an Asian actor? Because they've cast one of the kids out of Game of Thrones. Oh, Um, Art Art Parkinson. He's he's not even he's he's blooming Rickard. I was like, oh, is that Bran? No, it's Rickard. No yeah. one cares about Rickard. But, but this is the thing, Chris. Like, it's so weak, and like, the link doesn't have to be strong at all. That's all you have to say. Oh, there's like, someone from Game of Thrones in it. Oh, yeah, really? I oh, I might yeah. go and see that. It's as it's yeah, as, it's because it's the Game of Thrones pull because Game of Thrones is such shallow, a popular show. Yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of as shallow as that. Hmm. You know, I was sad. Just go back to robots for Christ's sake. Hugh McGregor's in it. Oh, I love his his Scottish lilt. Now he's a big American robot. Never mind. mind. He's from the somewhere Midwest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it's it. But the positive thing really is that, like with social media, everyone has a voice and the platform, and like people are being heard, and. I would hope that it means that studios might be listening. Uh, to a certain extent. I mean... I mean, I would the... be really surprised if DreamWorks were not kind of having a few meetings at least about how to... Well, how to handle Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being uh, so uh, coldly uh, received. Sorry to go off on one a bit there, but I just think... That's, it's, a, that's all right. It's, it's a really good thing that so many people are, you know, um, like, protesting, basically, against all of this whitewashing. Yeah. However, I think it's kind of... To, to, if you're going to do that, it's kind of worth understanding how Hollywood, how Hollywood works as a business. And... Whilst it might not um, excuse anything, it kind of explains it, at least. Yeah, at the very least, like, if you're going to complain about the whitewashing, at least know, understand, try to understand the reason why it might be the way it is. And then it's like, okay, well, that's the way they, that's what they say. This is our counter argument to maybe, like, say, okay, this is how you could change it so it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, like, I'm not for a second, by the way, saying, like, this is the way it should be, and no, oh, yeah. if this is how it is, then let it be. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying uh, it's worth understanding, like, why things have gotten so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to kind of understand how it might get better, maybe. Yeah, so it's like anyone can just jump on a bandwagon and just start complaining and saying something's wrong, but it takes a whole different kind of individual to say, no, okay, I understand why this is the way it is, but I'm, I'm saying that there is a way it can be done that it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, and then I guess with animation, it's like, where do you draw the line? So, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, only yesterday, the, the, I mean, the lead was Daisy Ridley, okay? In the mm-hmm. in the English dub, so and she was playing playing someone called um, T- Taiko, you know who who was supposedly from Tokyo, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh okay, that's is that okay? I don't know. Hmm. From my point of view, I had no problem with it, but anyway, they, you know, 
everyone's everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Mm-hmm. But anyways, uh, what were we talking about? It was Kubo, wasn't it? It looks we, good. It still looks good. <laughs> Trailer's still awesome. You know, we're still getting hyped up for the eventual release, and I'm thinking, even though they're probably they could probably find enough to squeeze another trailer out, I'm thinking that this is this is enough. I'm of kind a of yeah, I'm, I'm kind of feeling a little bit like when Batman vs Superman came out. <laughs> I, I heard a few people saying like, "Hang on, I thought what that hasn't been released yet." <laughs> like there was so much marketing, it kind of felt like it had already been released. Uh-huh. And I'm almost getting to that point with Kubo where it's like, okay, okay, just just shut up and show the movie. You know? Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> it's like why why have the release date all the way back in August when you seem to have all the trailers you know that are gearing us up for said movie have already been released? Yeah, it's weird, and it's not like Leica to do that. I remember the movies like there'll be a trailer or two early in the year. And then the big, like, hoo-ha circus of summer movies happens. And then towards the end, it's like, oh, and guess what? There's a Leica movie. And it's kind of nice to... I don't know, have that. Yeah. Like a surprise dessert. Yeah. Like the surprise might... chocolate cake at the end of the dinner. <laughs> there might there might be, a like, a UK trailer coming up, because... Um... Universal are releasing it here in September, so there might be like a separate UK trailer. Hey, Kubo, we're excited. Yeah. We're still excited for it, and probably as of as of right now, it's probably the last piece of trailer coverage we'll really talk about, unless, like you said, they do have a UK trailer later yeah. on. But yeah. mm-hmm. other than that, I think that really wraps up our news coverage for this week. So we're just gonna move right along into uh, if there's anything we've been watching this week that we want to talk about and I've at least got one thing it's not really a um, movie or short or TV show per se since it's uh, more of the video game line because most of the shows, movie, you know movies that I'm looking forward to seeing television shows, seasons, have kind of been of a lull for me so normally when that happens I just kind of pick up a video game either that I own, I've owned for a long time or just been wanting to pick up and I just kind of put it in and I play it for a while. And one of the games that I always play around this time of year once uh, it goes from spring into summer is a game that came out in 2007 for the PlayStation 2 but got a um, HD release for uh, the PlayStation 3, which I'm currently playing through. is called Okami. Uh... Oh, no way. That's... Okay. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so I I assume both of you with that reaction. I know both of you are familiar with this game. Yeah, I haven't I haven't played it, but I know I I have seen it and it looks beautiful and I know of it. Mhm. It is a very very special game to me. It's one of the I think it was one of the very first games that I ever saw like preview material for like before it was released, like a like a promotional trailer. And the mm-hmm. second I saw it, I immediately was excited for it. And basically, I went out of my way to look up information about it and uh, figure, figure out when it was coming, when it was going to be released in my area. And then as soon as it was, I just, I went the whole nine yards and made sure I waited for, <laughs> waited to get it. And then as soon as I got it, just popped it in and just 
played it nonstop, and it was oh, such a joy, such a beautiful, beautiful game to not only to just play but also to look at because it's just it's like a love letter to Japanese calligraphy and also to mythology and folk tales as well because a lot of the characters that you run into in this uh, kind of almost to say almost a bit of an open world adventure game is just you know all of them or at least a good majority are inspired by characters or individuals who are significant either Japanese myths and folklore and a lot of um I'd say a lot of the ones that I weren't familiar with when I played this game I was actually inspired to look up after playing like uh one character by the name of uh Ushiwaka was inspired by a pretty prominent figure in Japanese folklore and I after playing and was curious about his character I looked it up you know and got it which led to a whole slew of discovering you know more about like specifically like Japanese samurai and that kind of history and it was really fascinating but the game itself is just a joy to play so if you and it know it's come out on different platforms it came out for it was originally for the PlayStation 2 back when it first came out in 2007 and then it was re-released for the Wii, which was oh, yeah. a, a lot of people really enjoyed that version of the game because the fact that the um, the motion controls were actually really worked really well with the whole uh, aspect of the gameplay where you had to draw. Mm-hmm. Because for those of you who haven't played Okami, it's um, one of the abilities as you play with this uh, goddess resurrected as a wolf that you run around the world and you go righting wrongs and restoring life to this world desolated by monsters and demons. Um, one of the ways you can enact her godly powers, like you know, controlling the wind, restoring rivers, and so forth, how you do that is you have a function where basically the entire screen turns into a canvas, and you can use a paintbrush to kind of draw a particular pattern. And once you do a specific pattern, you can do that partic- uh, use that particular power. And uh, we controls did a lot of uh, helping with that because the PlayStation 2 had to use the analog stick plus one other button and that could get a little wonky if you're trying to do a specific uh, line that wasn't cohesive mm-hmm. with that particular control system and I guess the same is um, same as the case for the PlayStation 3 HD uh, version of the game because it's the same kind of controls but there is also the PlayStation like kind of motion control as well mm-hmm. that can kind of help but it's still, I don't think it's as fine-tuned as the Wii controls were. But yeah, it's, it's... I love that game so much. It's easily one of my top three games of all time. And, uh, I, I, like I said, I play it every year, every spring, um, when it's not a particularly nice day outside. And then I just uh, play through the whole game and just have a ball of a time. But that's really, other than watching a couple shorts on YouTube, that's pretty much all I've been watching this week. Fair enough. How about you, Chris? Well, I've been sort of... I have watched some stuff that's mainly been sort of series that I'm working through a bit. Like, I've watched um, some more Bob's Burgers, the most recent series that I've been watching. And I watched... Um, I've been working my way through season one of uh, Gravity Falls still, and I, I saw... Um, one of the episodes I watched this week was the um, body swap one, which was a oh, lot of fun. Oh, with Bill Cipher. Yeah, that oh, was good. Oh, 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 oh. That was a good one. Uh, 
But the other thing I'd completely forgotten that I watched until when we were recording the podcast. So, oh yeah, I watched that. I remember we were, we were talking about um, we were talking about Pixar, and um, I remembered that I watched um, a Toy Story that Time Forgot, the um, oh! Pixar sh- short thing. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fun. I like that. <laughs> uh, um, it's it's interesting in that sort of a lot of the main characters are sort of not in it very much. Like, yeah. They, like, they only picked certain members of the cast. Yeah, but it it meant that like, um, trick is it Trixie the um yeah the, the Triceratops yeah mm. voiced by voiced by the awesome Kristen Schaal um mm-hmm. got to take center stage basically and you have all the dinosaur things that really do seem like they could be like eighties or nineties action figures they were really <laughs> the the um well, the Battlesauruses they're called Battlesaurus yeah. Yeah, they had and a theme song they, and everything. Yeah, and they also reminded me actually of the um, the antagonist antagonists in um, April in the Extraordinary World. Oh yeah! Oh right! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of hilarious. Oh, I didn't even think about when I was watching that movie. But, yeah, <laughs> no, <of course>. well. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, that's a that's a that is a good short. I think I I didn't enjoy that one as much as I had the previous short that they did, the um, Toy Story of Terror. Mm-hmm. That was that, just... I think I've... that one was awesome. Sorry, that one was just far too good. <laughs> <laughs> I still have that recorded on my DVR. We caught it on TV one time, oh my and God. my mom has insisted that we never delete that one. <laughs> like, <laughs> that we watch it every single Halloween. Oh, you've got to be uh... careful having never deletes, because... I mean, I I had that, and and then <laughs> I was just overruled, and my brother sat me down, and he was like, Dan, we have to delete. <laughs> I don't know. It's For, for this case movies. in my household, it's me, my mom, and my brother, and I think at this point, both me and my mom overrule my brother's like, no, okay, this stays. <laughs> yeah, t- Toy Story, that time forgot, it's fun, um, but... Um, Toy Story of Terror really stuck with me because it's just like it's such a lovely emotional story mm-hmm. um, and it like it was a really good like character piece really I think yeah um, yeah I should watch Toy Story that time forgot again maybe because I've only seen it once and it was like it was okay I, 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 I it was ent- it was entertaining but it didn't stick with me in the same way that Toy Story of Terror did yeah and, and then you can watch the watch the credits like I did and go, look, there's David Lally. Uh, uh, yep, yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, That's hey, what I did too. someone I, did I know. Spot, I spotted him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been so. meaning to go back through a couple of the uh, couple of the Pixar movies the, that have come out recently and look for his name. <laughs> it's like, listen, where is David Lally in this one? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that That's about... Well, I've been watching, really. Nice. <laughs> Not much. <laughs> How about you, Dan? How about me? Yeah. Um, well, you? I wasn't on the last show when you guys talked about April and the Extraordinary World. Um, we. <laughs> when so you. So, what did you think did. of that? Oh, we. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. D'accord. Um, <laughs> c'est... Yeah. C'est si bon. Uh, yeah, no, I okay. So, um, I actually watched it this afternoon because 
I haven't seen it yet, and I watched it. And um, do you know what? I loved it. it oh, was, that was great. It was, and I'm kind of a little bit like I'm half pleased and half annoyed that the trailer was so bad. In hindsight, <laughs> in hindsight, like the trailer does not one, it doesn't do the movie justice, and two, it kind of sells a different movie. I thought it was going to be this really, um, like, kind of semi-sarcastic, a little bit, a little bit, um, I don't know, like, almost like a noir kind of simple story. Like a but it's this kind of huge. Thing? Sorry. Like kind of like a parody or something of a, a uh, particular style of film, or just a smaller movie that was going to be a little bit more. Like I didn't expect it to be half as entertaining, and it's like it's like Indiana Jones and Star Wars, and I made that comparison. I made that comparison last episode. Sorry. Like I remember making that comparison last episode. Like that's the kind of feel it has. It's big. Absolutely, it's big, and it's like it kind of it's 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 big, but it's also really entertaining. I mean, I also got like like Laputa vibes from it but I think it's yeah. actually it's it's but it's it's got like more solid characters I think almost than Laputa because it's it's like it's got a real heart to it and it's got a really nice unassuming heart too it's not like pushing it in your face but yeah. by the ending I didn't expect the ending to and when the ending comes and like obviously not gonna spoil it at all <laughs> yeah I if you want to you're interested in that? Check out the episode where we actually talk about the film. I I, I ached a couple of tears at the ending. Like, oh, I didn't realize that I really love these characters now. <laughs> but it wasn't like shoving it down your throat. The thing it was shoving down your throat was, this is fun. <laughs> um, this is a neat uh, idea. Let's explore this. Yeah, but all the ideas, I mean... I, I'm probably repeating everything that you said, but like all the ideas were not just like a lol random what if a cat could talk. It was like everything was explained. Like the reason the world was like it was mm-hmm. was not just backed up, but like really smartly woven into the story. Real oh, cause and effect. Real cause and effect and like backstory. It was a bit like, and I know, I mean, people have different opinions of this movie um but i was really um i haven't really felt that since fury road um yes in terms of like <laughs> in terms of like how the um the world building is just kind of caught up with the story and it doesn't stop to explain things really abruptly it's just like Oh, this guy doesn't have a nose. I mean, you can assume that some bad things happened that led to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I loved it. I've got to go back and listen to that episode, though, because I avoided it because I wanted to go in cold. Um, well, really, and... if you do listen to it, I, just, I will say this. Most of the times, you're just going to hear me, Chris, and Jill going, It's good! It's good! It's good! <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. This is why it's amazing. I cannot blame you for that at all because <laughs> it really is like it's so great. And I kind of almost want to like 
I don't know if if there is going to be a UK release. I hope they recut the trailer because <laughs> the trailer really makes it look far more boring than it is. Yeah. Um. Well, and I love well, the... a lot as well. Sorry, Chris. The thing is, though, to be honest, generally, if you compare, um, because last week the trailer for when Miney was there came out. Oh. And if you compare, if you compare the um. G Kids trailer to the Studio Canal one. Mm-hmm. The G Kids one's a lot better. Do you, and you know the um, like Song of the Sea trailer last year. Do you remember the UK trailer for that was not wonderful oh, either? Oh right, that trailer. Yeah. yeah. It seems yeah. Well, it seems like they're kind of almost. I'm, I'm I don't know if this is quite the case with G Kids yet, but it seems like when Studio Canal release things. They're depending, um, well, on Ghibli movies, they're depending on the Ghibli title, but they're also kind of releasing them on a movie-to-movie basis. Um, so, like, Song of the Sea, they have to sell as, like, not, you know, they have to sell it as one thing rather than coming from a line of, where, where whereas G-Kids, they have, like, uh, a bit more of a, God, sound like a marketing wanker now, but... <laughs> a bit more of a, a bit more of a brand identity where you can like come to expect something a bit different from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, sort of G Kids is sort of a um a sort of market quality. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But April, man, it was it was great fun. <laughs> I and I also I I also I said this on Twitter, but I want to see the dub now. Just so my eyes can really get lost in the world and look at it. Yeah, so you don't have to but... always be torn between that and the subs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Though the though the, hearing it in the original French is still adds a bit of uh, certain you know kind of really good layer of in, yeah. know, involvement in the yeah. story. It's like oh, this takes place in France. Yeah, it's, you know, it's only natural the character should be speaking French. And I think I think yeah. also they have a really good um, understanding of um, like there's a, there's a really good range of quite like animation typical cartoony screaming uh, like animated voices where they're really hamming it up and parts where the performances are really natural and the voices are not trying to you know it's not you can't you're not really thinking about some actor in a booth waving their hands around mm-hmm. it's like particularly april um like her performance is really quite quite even i think oh yeah not not even oh, in that... a boring way but even in a way that's like not in your face there's balance well, to it yeah well it is is marion cotillard she is an oscar-winning actress after all that's <laughs> true but i mean even oscar-winning actors sometimes get behind a uh, an, uh, a microphone I know. on an animation yeah. movie and think, oh, this is animation. I'm going to have to, you know, wave my hands around and sound like I'm jumping all the time. That's, mm-hmm. yes. um, not that no, I'm there's saying, more to it than that. Of course there is, and of course I think actors really understand that, but mm-hmm. it can sometimes happen that voices are directed that way. Anyway, yeah. April, um, it's great, and I really hope it gets a UK release because I want to see it in the cinema because... It's. I didn't expect it to be that type of movie. It's like, like I said, it's like Indiana Jones. It's, it's a great adventure movie. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna get it on DVD when it comes out. 
Yeah. It's yeah. probably gonna be probably gonna be a while, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I saw that. Oh, I saw the Jungle Book again. Um. Uh, uh, I actually could talk to you about that because I went and, out and saw it about a week back. And, yeah. And uh, it was oh so wonderful. Yeah, I was like out one afternoon and I had a couple of hours free. I was meeting someone and I was like, eh, I'm gonna go and see the Jungle Book again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i did and it was great and i was late apparently for this meeting and i was sorry <laughs> i was watching the jungle book <laughs> i stayed was it good I... sec- second viewing it's good great enough? the second time um i mean the ending kind of has a couple of problems in terms of like well i'm not going to get into it but the ending has a couple of problems that yeah, i can kind of see past but it doesn't matter because it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just have I had a blast watching it again. Um, I think that's that's a classic. Yeah. Yeah, John Favreau really seemed to hit the ball out of the park with that one, especially the way how he approached the film. Like I was looking into some behind the scenes stuff of how he approached it and how it was really like he handled it. But it was like a combination of a live action film and animated film because that's basically what it was. A majority of it was. You're dead right, but the thing is, he understands that. He's not, like, fighting it at all. When you listen to all these, like, I've been listening to a bunch of interviews with him, and in every single one, he, like, stresses the importance of the animators and the fact that he's making an animated movie, and he talks about the Disney, um, the 1967 movie a lot, and how what he's doing is not too different to that, just with a you know, with with a set of more complicated tools. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it's actually if you if you like the movie, John Favreau has been really quite excellent. I think in terms of like press and explaining how the movie was made. Definitely. Uh, so if you're interested, um, like seeking out any um, interviews that he's given, like there's a there's a DGA uh, podcast. Um, that he was on, and that's oh, that hey. gives you that gives you a really good insight to um, yeah, like how he approached making it. Because I mean, as he explained, he said like the reason that you've seen CG and live action blending and it not being so successful is because the live action shoot has been a little bit arrogant and kind of said, well, you know, we'll fix this later. We'll hand these plates over to the post production house. And they'll deal with it. But he says, no, no, no. To get it to work, you have to be thinking about those elements from the start. Oh, yeah. So he's thinking about appropriate lighting and all of these other, you know, considerations from the start. So the live action image that he was shooting was kind of tailor made for the world that it was going to be um, composited into later. Uh, Yeah, it's such a fun movie. Anyway, um, so I saw that. Okay. Um, Anything I've else? Also been, yeah, I've also been watching the, a new Trigger show. Not the big new Trigger show, um, but the little one called, I think the English title is Space Patrol Luluco. Hmm. Not sure if uh, familiar. Um, you can watch it on Crunchyroll. And okay. it's like a... Um, each episode's about seven minutes, I think. Oh. 
Um, sure. And it's like this fun little really energetic um, series that's kind of like in the old Gainax style, like half parody, half not oh, parody. Oh, neat. Huh. Um, like, and it's really funny and stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, and really colorful. And it's directed by Hiroyuki Imaishi, who directed Kill the Kill and lots of i think he directed a few uh, episodes of panty stocking yeah yeah so it's it's kind of got that kind of feel to it it's like it's obviously lower budget but what they do with it is this mix of like real tongue in cheek and real um <laughs> a really kind of like weird uh sci-fi um like like blend um like it so the story is Luluko is a normal junior high school student. No. But well no, but the setup is they really play into that. And like her whole thing is she just wants to be normal. She just wants to have a normal life. But like the world around her is not at all that and she's trying to keep on to that. It's it's like a reluctant hero kind of story. That's interesting. Anyway, so like the I'm not going to spoil it but there are loads of crazy things that happen and it's a little bit like FLCL like in terms of how it's playing off like things happening to this character and her not really wanting them or understanding them like <laughs> she's in her classroom and she's she's asked to like read something and then suddenly this thing pops from her head which is like a, a police siren and then her body snaps, her back snaps backwards, <laughs> and then she transforms into a gun. What? <laughs> I don't know. And then she realizes that she's like this special person. Anyway, it's great fun, and it doesn't, I mean, one, it doesn't cost anything, and two, it doesn't cost much time to watch, because you can blast through the whole run. There are five episodes at the moment. Oh, okay. You can blast through the whole run in the bow, I guess, if each one's seven minutes, like, you know, an hour or so. Um, uh, yeah, uh, check it out. I don't know. It's really colorful. And if you like things which are not too serious um, but fun, then I really recommend it. Yeah, the zaniness definitely reminds me of Fully Coley. So probably any Fully Coley fans out there, this, this sounds like this might be up your alley. Yeah, and especially, like, if you... I mean, I was a little bit put off by the actual big new Trigger show, uh, Kiz Niva, um, mm. which looks quite generic to me. Um, it doesn't look like the sort of fun, Imaishi, Gainaxi style thing that you kind of expect Trigger to be doing. Mm -hmm. So Ludico is really um, filling that gap. Me. Okay, neat. Oh, all right. It is neat. <laughs> if that's it, I think that pretty much wraps up today's episode. So, if you want to check out more articles and stuff coming our way, check out animationforadults.com. And you can also look up this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and podcast.com. If you really like what you're listening to and want to help us support getting more episodes and even want to have early access to these podcast episodes, please 
uh, go to our Patreon page and uh, support the website, and we can make sure we can get those podcast episodes out to you earlier than normal. And Chris, where we where can we find you? Uh, Mr. Crystal on Twitter and on Facebook. All right, and Dan. You can find me on Twitter at Hamu. And you can find me on Twitter at Fail2Ninja. And that wraps up episode 37. All right, and we will see you all for episode 38 next time. All right, take care, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. My Skype is gone! My Skype is gone! Hello? I'm here. Hey. I'm here. <clears throat> Hello. Hey.